How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Speed for it, cheer for uh, kind of like it. On the right wing side, here is Defoli. Shoots, he scores! Battling through it in front of the No sense bitching, right? This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All right, I feel like, I mean, there were a couple of, like, headline injury types of things before we recorded this podcast, but it is Tuesday night when we are recording this, and all in this, like, evening of gameplay, a few major injuries have happened. (laughs) What in the world is going on in the NHL? Some sort of, like, November curse or, like, a a Halloween curse that just, like, took too long to happen. Yeah, because a lot of people's... A lot of key players are out for a little bit. We got to back into this because one of them is like, we don't really know what's up with one of the Kings players, Mr. Andre Kopitar, who is very important. But I feel like before we get into the Kings, we got to talk about, um, I'll just mention the other big ones. The player who had been out before tonight that was significant was Carey Price. And he wasn't sitting for very long. It was just like he was experiencing some pain, a little bit of a lower body um, situation, injury. And the doctors were like, take a week off. So that's what he was doing. The Canadians are one and one without him. It actually hasn't been terrible for them. But then tonight, Chris Kelly, who is not like a core member of the Boston Bruins, but in the game against the Dallas Stars, broke his femur. Like the thickest bone in your leg, he broke that. (laughs) I was watching the gif of that and like knowing that he broke it that sometimes it's still like we've watched this for a while we've talked about it injuries are normal but every once in a while you just think oh he just casually broke his yeah on, like this tuesday you know like i know he's playing hockey it's you know it's, it's a very um heavy contact sport though the bruins too but he just went out there and then broke his femur Ooh. and is going to be out for about six to eight months and like half a second he's now done for the season, season pretty much right like yeah geez intense that that happened to him so feel really bad for that guy i mean that sounds painful <laughs> it's got a lot of recovery time um yeah don't envy him at all i hope he uh, is able to heal and yeah i i, I hope he uh, i can't you can't even say get well soon i hope he is all right <laughs> you know i hope <laughs> right, he can yeah. survive this season because that really sucks just you know, playing for a month and then being out for the rest of it. Yeah. Ooh. Um, another major injury, Connor McDavid. This is, this is the real one that's, like, making waves. Like, everyone was just uh, keeping an eye out on the internet, seeing what was going to happen. I feel like everyone was doing that. Yeah. So they were playing the Philadelphia Flyers, and he, I, I believe the Oilers were on the penalty kill. Like, I believe he was going for a shorthanded attempt he was being sort of converged on by michael delzato and um manning manning was the one closest to him and as mcdavid took the shot he kind of grabbed or like had a hand on mcdavid's hip and just the way that he tugged on his pants or whatever made mcdavid lose his balance um manning lost his balance too and they both kind of went into the boards really hard manning got up Connor mcdavid got up holding his collarbone area his clavicle and um, did you know left the game, and then afterwards they were like, "Oh, just saw Connor McDavid in the hall, like out of his gear with his arm in a sling." So that seems bad. <laughs> and now uh, Coach McClellan has said 
it's going to be long term. Like there, he's getting evaluated, and probably the GM will have more updates tomorrow morning. Or you know, like by the time this I post this podcast, we might know more about Connor McDavid. But it's likely his clavicle, and it's likely going to be for a while. I feel so bad for the Oilers right now. Yeah, I mean they're cursed. <laughs> I feel like we can <laughs> they, confidently say that. I hope that they, like, a part of their warm-ups or something like that is, like, burning sage <laughs> somewhere, you know, just to get rid of any, like, negative energies and things like that. Right. Um, because they are seriously unlucky. Because um, they were finally kind of, like, on an upswing. You know, he was doing a lot better. Things were kind of coming together. And what you know, obviously was hailed as the, like, key piece. Yeah. Um, is now broken and will be out for a little while. Oh, that, it's so rough. Like, he, like you mentioned, he was just saying that he was starting to feel more confident. And, like, that was kind of the, I mean, I've watched McDavid play and he's exciting or whatever, but the thing that stuck out to me was a couple weeks ago, like, where he had the interview and he was being asked, how are you feeling? And, you know, are you glad that you're scoring now or whatever? And his his response was like in his like tiny, like Connor McDavid has a really like tiny, small font subscript voice. <laughs> he was just like, um, yeah, um, I'm under a lot of pressure right now. So like it was the saddest thing. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> so, so I'm glad. I was like so happy when he was like, oh, yeah, I feel like chill, comfortable now. Good. And now it's like, well, take a seat because you broke your clavicle. Also, that's like such a massive understatement. I'm under a little bit of pressure. <laughs> yeah. You have like an entire franchise's like reputation on your shoulders. <laughs> the entire hockey world has been looking at you and will continue to stare at you and watch your every move for, you know, a while now. Um yeah, yeah. So a little, you know, a little bit of pressure might be understated. <laughs> right. That's why it was so sad. He's like, you know, there's you know some pressure. Um, it's a stressful time for me. I think is what he said. Like, it's a stressful time for me right now. Which is like very quiet and calm. And it's like I, I just, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> maybe his, maybe his clavicle broke under the pressure of the NHL. No. <laughs> I hope his clavicle isn't broken. For the record, uh, we don't know anything yet. But if it is fractured yeah. in any way. Yeah, that seems so to the be the weight of the world. The indication Colin, right now. Colin Alice injured the clavicle. Also, I think if it turns out that it is um, like a bone break or something, it, like it's one of those things where it's like that sucks, but also it could be worse. Yeah. So hopefully yeah. he recovers um, pretty quickly and and gets to play again now that he's feeling chill and not stressed out all the time. Yeah, what if this is like the least stressful part? Right, yeah. Like, being injured and trying to, like, get back onto the ice. Probably it's the least stressful part. (laughs) Too rough. Hopefully uh, he heals up and we get to hear Connor McDavid in his very tiny voice again soon. I'm sorry. I I have listened to interviews with him. He does have a small voice, but I'm kind of thinking of, I don't know if you've seen uh, Jenny Slate's Marcel Lachelle with shoes on. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That is, because I haven't watched an interview with him in a while. So that's currently the voice that is in my head. (laughs) that voice oh man that's actually it's fair (laughs) that's that's a fair comparison (laughs) for at least especially like thinking about um how marcel the show like sounds that's kind of how i feel the same way when i listen to Connor mcdavid (laughs) not as squeaky his voice is not as squeaky it's kind of low and smooth but it's very small (laughs) 
It's very little. So now, so that's the probably the biggest injury news is Connor McDavid. But amongst Kings fans, huge question mark because in the game against the St. Louis Blues, Andre Kopitar, he plays the first period, he gets hit in the face, leaves, sits out two periods, and then it's like, we don't know what's happening. Not even low I'm high-key terrified. I'm, yeah, I'm pre- I think he's okay. I think, because, like, wasn't it he got hit in the face, went off, kind of, like, got stitched up a little bit, tried to go back on again, and was like, oh, no, I can't do this, and left. Um, so I'm hoping he was just feeling rattled. I'm hoping it's not the the C word. Um, but if it is, I hope he, you know, stays off and gets better, um, heals his brain. But yeah, that was uh, deeply concerning. So Ryan Reeves is definitely on our shit list. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, fuck the St. Louis Blues, which I had forgotten how annoying I find them to watch. Oh, the entire time I was just like, oh, yeah, so the Kings-Blues rivalry is still, you know, going strong. Right. Um, also, I hate all of this. Um, mm-hmm. I meant to look back, but I didn't. And after Pearson's goal, as Toffoli was trying to, you know, get in on some hugs, someone just like casually jammed their elbow into Foley's face. And they are also my enemy. Yeah. Can, so can we not have that happen? I mean, here, even just the blood and stuff, you know, Andre Kopitar's mouth was a lot. But like you said, I really hope it's not that he has a concussion. And I hope that it was more like... He's a little shaken up. They want to, you know, take some precautions. The positive thing is, even though it's not really substantive, is um, after the game, Gerald Sutter was like, yeah, I talked to him and he said he was he was feeling good. So that's good. <laughs> um, he was feeling better, I should say. And hopefully it means that, you know, once they take some time, it'll hope, maybe be like Airhoff where it was like that looked really bad, but he, he ended up being okay. I don't, poor Andre Kopitar, please don't take him away. <laughs> don't take him from us. It is too soon. <laughs> yeah. We have so, seen so little of him. We ha- He hasn't reached his potential yet. Yeah, he hasn't even had an assist yet this season. Come on. <laughs> he has crazy, so much life way. left in him. So um, hopefully we get some good news around him, but a scary thing to see happen. And it'll be interesting to see if uh, Reeves gets any discipline for it because there was no penalty called in the game or anything really like it was either i guess there's some confusion it was either the butt end of the stick or his elbow that hit kopitar in the mouth in the face in the head um but we're not entirely sure either way you shouldn't do that either way it's a crime against humanity and we need vengeance um yeah so i'm not sure if he'll be getting any supplemental yeah it, it did peeve me that the um the NBC guys were like, it looked harmless. And I was like, get out of here. Go away with your dumb opinions. It looked terrible because it was Andre <laughs> Kopitar. Good news, despite that, despite losing Kopitar for 40 minutes of the game, the Kings won. So that's nice. The Kings got they a won. shutout. Um, yeah. Enroth got a shutout. And it was the second night of a back-to-back. So great job. Now both cold tenders have one shutout on the season. And for Enroth, it was his second game, so he and he only let in one goal in the other game that he played, so he has stopped 63 of 64 shots against. Pretty good. Not too shabby, Enroth. He wasn't as busy as Jake Allen was, at least not with, like, the big show-stoppy save. He did make some really excellent saves, though. So, but it was it was nice to see him. I feel a lot more confident in that. Nice start with the Kings for him. He's endeared himself to fans. So that I'm really glad that they won that game, especially after the I didn't like 
you know, full confession, I didn't watch the game against Chicago. But just seeing some of what I saw on Twitter and whatnot, like, it seemed like the Kings got really sloppy in the third. I don't know. Did you watch the whole thing? I did not. Um, I actually, uh, I, I got not angry watching it. I just, like, got annoyed watching it. So I Fair. watched it for a little bit with video and sound. And then I was like, ugh, this is the worst and just listen to the sound but then the comp like the feed that i was listening to the commentators were being annoying so then i just watched the video and hope nothing bad happened so i just like was a, a full mess all over the trying place. to like <laughs> handle this game and the kings couldn't get it together to uh tie things up at all and i was just like okay this is no more of this yeah, they. I feel like sometimes the stuff that happens in games against the Blackhawks with them is just like inexplicable. I mean, two things that were good though was Alec Martinez scoring from basically like the mirror like version of his <laughs> this game seven goal. One thing I can say because I've seen pictures and stuff is that I hate those pads that Corey Crawford and whoever their backup goalie is, Scott Darling, that they have the black ones. They're terrible. <laughs> I don't like them at all. <laughs> Um, anyway, back on topic. Alec Martinez's goal, really fun. And then I thought the the rebound goal that Kobitar had was really cool, too, because I did at least watch those highlights. Um, unfortunately, they couldn't get more than those two, and they needed them. And I really hate how good Donovan Taves continues to be. I really like him. Why is he on the Blackhawks? That's how I feel about uh, pretty much every player that I think is entertaining. Why are they on the Chicago Blackhawks? <laughs> I was very happy when Brandon Saad got traded because I adore him. So if fate could be kind to me and just rip everyone I find mildly entertaining on the Blackhawks away from them, that would be really great for me. This is like a very vengeful episode. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Kopitar is injured. The Chicago Blackhawks are garbage trash. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, no I've, I've been very honest about how much I dislike that team in the past anyway. It hasn't changed. Newsflash. <laughs> this, uh, this last game just solidified that. Nothing has changed. It's still <laughs> yeah. terrible. It simmers during the summer and stuff because we don't have to see them. And then it's like, oh, it's them again. I hate you. <laughs> hey. I love listening to you talk about um, how much you dislike the... <laughs> the Blackhawks. It's just like highly amusing to me every time. It's so pure and dedicated and just truly genuine. <laughs> the loathing that I have for them, but it's okay. I'll I'll, I'll move on. I oh the, the highlight, of course, from that game that was hilarious was Jonathan Quick and his stick flip of not his stick. Somebody else's. That was great. Like, the the fact that he, just from start to finish, so the whole scrum in front of him, and then him having, like, kind of realizing what was happening in front of him, seeing a stick in front of his face, and then just, like, the big old, like, tug that he gave it to, like, make sure he took that away, and then the, like, dramatic flourish of a stick fling was, that was, like, that's prime Jonathan Quick, and so early in the season. <laughs> I love that it managed to do the little spin thing, even with him throwing it behind himself. Like, how? It just was very extravagant and magical, <laughs> the way it happened. And I have a question, because people brought it up again. Like, even, like, Rich Hammond mentioned, he was like, I feel like, you know, it's been a while. We've been waiting for a Jonathan Quick, Corey Crawford fight, and it hasn't happened. We have touched on this in the past, and I wonder if your opinion has changed. Do you think Jonathan Quick is ever actually going to fight anybody? Yes. 
Someday. Maybe this season, maybe the next, but someday he will fight someone. And if it is Corey Crawford, then we have obviously all done something good to um, allow the hockey gods to give that to us, because that would be incredible. (laughs) I think I have, like, I'm kind of torn. I'm of two minds. Some days I'm like, Jonathan Quick is not actually ever going to fight anybody. He's the kind of guy who's going to talk a lot of trash and get all up in your face and, like, punch you in the junk when you're, you slide into his goal and are lying on the ice and can't really do much back. And even if he breaks his wrist, it's worth it to him. But he'll never actually fight because he doesn't want to expose himself and maybe lose, which I think is smart. My other thought some days is the reason that he hasn't fought anybody is because he is not somebody who will fight fair. He might just, like... So a friend of mine said, break his stick and try to stab a guy. (laughs) (laughs) So it might either be like, he can't really fight and he doesn't want anybody to find out that maybe he's bad, or he knows he's insane. (laughs) So (laughs) we'll just rein it in as much as possible. He may just stick to a lot of posturing. I just want to see him like (laughs) go to to the middle of the ice just to like stare someone down, you know, like break a stick over his uh, knee. (laughs) Kind of threaten a little bit. That's it, though. Yeah, try to convince everybody that he's he's insane. And it works so far. Yeah, I think half the time everyone's just like, what are you doing, Jonathan Quinn? (laughs) I still love the quote from, was it Eddie Lack, who, who like pretended for some reason that he was, he might try to get in and fight Jonathan Quick or whatever, but then after the game was like, he seems meaner than me. <laughs> I feel like that's, that's Jonathan Quick's goal all the time, is just to seem like the dude who is crazier and meaner than the other guy. Yeah, so that was an excellent, that was definitely the highlight of the game, was Jonathan Quick losing his shit. I loved it. I mean, and again, I only saw, like, highlights and gifts of it, but even still, it was wonderful. That's all you really needed. <laughs> of course, with the loss in Chicago, that means the Kings' win streak snapped. We were hoping they would try to be able to tie the franchise record, maybe go for 10, not going to happen. But the the win against the Blues means that their you know, record's still pretty good. They are now 8-4-0, which makes them first. They are tied in points with the Vancouver Canucks, but they have the tiebreaker in um, regulation overtime wins. So the Kings, back to being at the top of the Pacific Division. It feels good. I'll, I'll take what I can get uh, in terms of I don't really think that the Kings will end the year top of the Pacific. So I, I like just having it now. Yeah, I'll ride this thing out as long as possible. Although, like, a lot of people, I mean, I don't know if you've seen it, but I've seen, like, people write stuff and mention stuff about how they think, like, of the division so far. And it's been mentioned on broadcasts a few times that the Pacific, at least right now, to start the season, is the weakest division. If that stays true, I mean, and there's no, I mean, maybe with the exception of the Ducks who have to bounce back and become more consistent, there's no real reason to think that teams like Calgary um, will all of a sudden skyrocket or that the Canucks even will stay as positive as they have been so far. But basically like there's no real reason to think that there are teams that are necessarily guaranteed to unseat the Kings. So I don't expect them to be at the top by the end of the season either, but apparently it doesn't seem like it's that far fetched. That would be, that would be kind of nice. Yeah. I don't want to hope for it now. Come on. How dare you? (laughs) Um, Well, we predicted they would get second. So, so we had some rationale somewhere. 
But yeah, it's true. The the Pacific is usually like the big the big bad Pacific, but mm-hmm. not so much this season. This season and and kind of last season too. The Central has been really close and really tough, especially now with like also Dallas kind of just going real strong, and they're first in the Central right now. And Jamie Ben can't seem to stop scoring. Um, Tyler Sagan scored a hat trick today. Right, yeah. I think they're tied in points or something at the top of the leagues. And because they've got Niami, like, their goaltending seems to be a little bit more stable. So, right, like, that's, you know, another problem for central teams. Luckily, not a problem with the Kings who are in the Pacific. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I feel good about it. Um, but I also love how, you know, when something like the fact that, you know, Tyler Sagan got booted from the Bruins and onto the, the Stars... And, like, that whole thing, the fact that he did a hat, a hat trick against him, like, that's exactly what you always want. Like, when Phil Kessel plays the Toronto Maple Leafs, like, you kind of want him to just score three goals, like, score a hat trick and be real amped about it. But you don't actually think it's going to happen. But, of course, Tyler Sagan just goes out and does it. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's no problem at all. It's like, Yeah. You guys got rid of me. Let me score a hat trick in your face. And then he does it. Like, who does that? <laughs> That's pretty... He's he's lived a, a charmed life. That, I mean, not to say that he's not good, because he is. But I do feel like he has frequently had those moments where it's like that's like the thing that you would want to happen if you are Tyler Sagan <laughs> and it happened to you he's had six hat tricks since he's been on that's the uh, on the stars I think just on the stars Tyler Sagan's monthly hat trick <laughs> <laughs> so I don't it's baffling I don't get it <laughs> yeah he's I mean he's really good like I think him being on the Bruins and them kind of not really knowing how to use him I feel like people kind of forgot a little bit that he, I mean, the dude went second overall. Like, he's he's good. He was always supposed to be really good, and now he is a little older, settled in. He's on a team where they're letting him have plenty of minutes and whatnot and rely on him every night rather than sort of putting him behind guys like Patrice Bergeron, for instance. And he's living up to what the hype was supposed to be. Like, that's amazing and it's kind of one of those things where because for a while he wasn't talked about, it's it's still – you still have that little bit of, like, surprise because it's not like, oh, yeah, we've been expecting this the whole time. Like, people kind of – he kind of not fell off, but in people's minds, they kind of shoved him to the side a little bit. So the good thing, though, that even with as tough as the Central Division is, A, okay, like, the Kings have an 8-4 uh, record so far on the season. They have won four of five road games that they've played so far, which is – a turnaround from last season when it seemed like it was weirdly tough for them to get road wins. So that's really cool. And also they just played three Central Division teams and they beat Nashville, lost to Chicago, and then beat St. Louis Blues. Not bad for a team from the apparently weak Pacific Division. Yeah, so they're doing all right. They've really, uh, they're holding their own. Of course, they're going to look sloppy every once in a while. It always happens to be against the Blackhawks. Um, but it happens. Nothing really to worry about um i know that daryl sutter really had uh tanner pearson in the doghouse oh yeah um for this last little bit but uh this last goal that he scored um during the blues game tonight i think kind of killed that so yeah that's all nice and one person who didn't score a goal but tried so hard and was so close was Dustin Brown. Dustin Brown continues to lead the Kings in shots on goal. He has 44 now. He has three assists, still has not scored a goal. It'll happen. 
how he's so unlucky. <laughs> he's so unlucky. I feel like the the positive thing is that in like last season and whatnot, there was still some shakiness in his underlying numbers. It seemed like he was just struggling all around. But so far this season, he's playing really well. He's got a bunch of shots on goal. He gets himself into good positions. He like has like great opportunities, but whether it be the goalies or at one point today, um, a pesky crossbar. Uh, it's just right. the puck is just not making it in, but that doesn't mean that he's not like like you know putting himself in front of the net or like getting himself open or obviously he's shooting a ton, so it, it's got to go. <laughs> it's got to mm-hmm. go in there eventually. It's not even like Trevor Lewis who seems to get a lot of seemingly quality opportunities and then manages to never actually make difficult shots it always seems like goaltenders see all of his shots all the way um i feel like he'd be better suited for like archery or something like that because he like goes for the center every time instead of like some sort of like top shelf like maybe the short side just like what if i just shoot it right in the middle and the goalie disappears okay maybe that'll work if you Um, need trevor lewis to hit a crest he is your guy he can do it in any situation. <laughs> but it's funny because a couple of seasons ago, we went through a dramatic countdown of when Trevor Lewis would score his first goal. <laughs> yeah. And now, Dustin Brown, obviously it's not at that level um, of like not scoring a goal yet for Dustin Brown. But on the flip side, Trevor Lewis now has himself a couple of goals. You know, two of them. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wait, how many how many scores goals have he has he scored? Has he scored a non empty net? <laughs> no, that's the thing. Wait, Trevor Lewis. I, just to, I just wanted to make sure I had to like look that up. I was like, Trevor Lewis, king many- of the empty nets, which is like nice because I feel like we kind of got into a groove for a while where it was like if if the Kings have a chance at the empty net, they're not going to hit it, and so far they've at least hit some of them. Um, and Trevor Lewis, both of his goals on the empty net. If you got an empty net. Trevor Lewis not stopped by it. He will get the puck in. The first empty net was, like, really cool. He had to, like, kind of – there was some, like, elevation and got it, like, once again, right in the center of the net. So, obviously, that's what he's been working on. Like, I wonder if the Kings were just like, okay, this is a problem that we had last season. Let's delegate, you know, the solution <laughs> to, like, one or two guys. And Trevor Lewis is just like – oh, we have an empty net problem? I got this. And it's just like, your guy. Trevor Lewis's wheelhouse. Maybe that's all he needed. He did, They just needed to like actually focus. Like, here's the target we need you to hit, Trevor Lewis. And he's like, I got it. With other goals, there's a goalie there. He gets too distracted by the logo. <laughs> so that's where he aims. There's but like a, a person there. He's like looking at me. There's gloves <laughs> and a stick. And, you know, that's a lot. But if there's no one there, I'm pretty good at making goals. Yeah, just aim for the empty net. First round drafted. Hey, hey. <laughs> Trevor Lewis. Top line Trevor Lewis again tonight because Top of line Trevor juggling Lewis. and whatnot. So that's pretty crazy. That's kind of wild now, right? Like if, if Andre Kopitar spends some time out of the lineup, do you just make the Toffoli, Carter, Lucic line, the top line, and like have them face all of the toughest competition and whatnot? Or do you try to put somebody between Gabrick and Brown and, I don't know, whoever was with Andre Kopitar at the time? Like, could top line center Trevor Lewis be a thing? I'm smiling a lot thinking about it right now. I don't think, like, I paused for a moment just because (laughs) I was, like, pondering that. It's a lovely thought. I think they might just switch to having 
Jeff Carter's line be the top line. That seems like the more reasonable thing to do. But the idea of some broadcast being like Trevor Lewis and the Los Angeles Kings come and face so-and-so because he's like the top line center is very charming to me. Your starter, Trevor Lewis. Like, that's crazy. Like, Sutter made some interesting decisions tonight, and I'm fascinated, you know, and very, very excited to see what they do going forward if Andre Kobachar does spend some time out. And I think it's possible that he at least takes a game or two if they are just trying to make sure he doesn't have a concussion. Uh, but we will see what happens. And it could be real weird real <laughs> fun if it turns out that they need to juggle some lines a Well, the Kings bit. are doing all right right now so um at least this didn't happen during some sort of like terrible slump and then they're also gone and it's just like all gone to hell so um at least they can afford to cycle some people out we got to see jordan wheel yeah didn't do a lot but (laughs) he was there and he had experience which is nice right he was Um, around so yeah maybe more of more of that i do i mean that i don't like the idea that Andre Kopitar, like that they have to be down a person yeah, in order to get Jordan Wilson playing time. But if if they are down a person, at least it means that similar to like what happened with Braden McNabb, where it was like, look, we don't have dudes right now, so you get to play a lot. Um, that Jordan Will will get a little more time in the lineup because I, I do want to see what he can do when he's actually given the opportunity to settle into the roster and the system and whatnot. And so far, he's only played two games. Jordan so. Wheel played six minutes and 57 seconds tonight, which is obviously not a lot because Andre Kopitar, who left the game, played five minutes and four seconds. So <laughs> the fact that he played only like a minute or two more is kind of a, more than a guy who left for half the game is not the best. <laughs> right, yeah. Didn't give him a lot of opportunity to show his chops, but, you know, maybe we'll get there eventually. One day. um, Everybody kind of had to earn Daryl Sutter's trust. I mean, goodness knows we all spent a lot of time complaining back when he wasn't playing Tyler Toffoli. There was times when we were like, why is Alec Martinez not on this team right now? Right. (laughs) And then he scored two amazing game-winning and one cup-winning goals. So, you know, it'll not... It'll happen. Something will happen. I'll get there. Um, I will, because I was just thinking about, like, who do you put on it? If you try to just, like, come up with a new line instead of trying to put somebody in Kopitar's spot, like, where do you put, like, Mary and Gabrick? Like, do you just keep Toffoli and Carter together and then put Gabrick on that wing? Or do you keep Lucic or whatever? Because, like, Mary and Gabrick also, like, his possession numbers aren't bad. Um, he's getting some shots. He... But he hasn't really scored either. He hasn't looked great so far to start. Don't really know what's going on with Marion Gabrick. It seems like maybe it's starting to turn around, but... My thing is that because of injuries uh, or potential like injury with Andre Kopitar and how well Jeff Carter's line is doing, I wouldn't break that up because what if everything else doesn't work? So it would be nice to have at least one line that we know is solid and can score goals and can be out there against some tough competition and kind of keep that as like a a good foundation to what's going on and then kind of moving every other piece around um, like if need be. And if Jeff Carter's line because of this or because of whatever just kind of like falls off a little bit, if their production drops, then yeah, go ahead, shuffle things around. But as it is right now, I kind of would just keep them the way they are. 
I, yeah, I think that's a good way to approach it since they're working right now. And then if they stop working, mix it up, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, nothing too dramatic. Like, don't try to shift things up all crazy quite yet. Everything's fine. I tell myself, hopefully. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> It'll be okay. <laughs> don't panic, everyone. Okay, um, so let's move on to, well, I guess a uh, slightly sad thing first, which I think you are technically the one who put it in this rundown. So you should maybe lead the charge on the Mike Richards update. It's it's a sad update with Mike Richards in that there is, so he's obviously a free agent, um, but there is not a lot of interest in him from any teams right now. Um, I don't think anyone really wants to take that along. I know some people have been... Um, kind of like not criticizing the fact that no one's picking him up, just kind of like curious because there has been a lot of injuries and the like, and he's still, you know, probably a serviceable player for plenty of teams, but he still has this drug charge hanging over his head. Um, He has uh, an adjudication on December 8th, so things could potentially change once whatever verdict is reached is reached on that date and maybe after that you know closer to, like to the new year someone may give mike richards another chance i definitely think they should we have heard about plenty of worse things that nhl players have been under investigation for or charged with or if you go all the way back to say the 80s with like craig mctavish went to jail for and still was signed by a team, Mike Richards should get a shot, I think. And also, even to speak to his time with the Kings, I think for a lot of that season, he was actually better than Jarrett Stoll and probably should have been considered above him, like in the depth chart, but just wasn't for whatever reason. Jarrett Stoll was really bad with the Kings (laughs) last season. He was really bad. And I feel like he didn't get nearly the criticism from, not necessarily from fans and people who watch, because I feel like, people who really care about breaking down the game or whatnot pointed it out. But I don't think from the management side, from the coaching side, we ever got any indication that there were complaints about Jared Stoll's production or his play. And even the, even when they made adjustments, because I remember at first one of the power play units, like Trevor Lewis and, and Jared Stoll were like a key part of it and it wasn't working. And then they finally changed it up and things started clicking more on the power play for the Kings. So it was not like it went unnoticed, but he just never got the same kind of like, like it was never said, oh, we might send Jared Stoll to the AHL, even though he was playing kind of like crap at at parts at times. So I think it's weird the way, some of the ways that Mike Richards got singled out. And so I, I think also he could be like a good third liner or fourth liner on a team, assuming that he's like, yeah, I'm dedicated to staying healthy. Why not? Like give him a shot. He's cheap now. <laughs> he's been bought out. There's no contract to worry about. Let Mike Richards play yeah. again. Um, with Jared Stoll, too, like, you know that he had a lot of, like, leadership roles within the organization, and I think his just, like, strength in the face-off circle was just too much. Like, that helped, you know? He had some, like, redeeming qualities. Right. And at that time, uh, Mike Richards just had, like, I'm going to say, like, a lot of intang- intangibles or when it came onto the ice or, like, the little things. Like, whenever some someone is analyzing a player's play and is like, ah, you know, he he does all the little things right. Like, it's not goals, it's not assists, it's not these things, but other little things. And that just wasn't enough. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Kings are subsidizing Mike Richards now. 
they're already paying him money, so he'll he'll go to your team for cheap just to to get some time. And I absolutely think that he should get another shot somewhere. Yeah. So I hope it happens. Like you said, possibly the having this sort of case still open has made things quiet because for a while it, there we were hearing that there was interest out there, but now his agent says that he hasn't been getting any calls. So. Hopefully, once the charge is dealt with, assuming that he is available to play, he will. And it's sad, because, like, you see him, like, not having any interest, and meanwhile, like, Jeff Carter is just, like, tops in points on the Kings right now, scored a sweet overtime goal um, against Nashville, and is just, you know, living it up. Okay. I, okay. <laughs> Somebody reminded me, early in the 2014-15 season, like, the 70s line had already existed in the playoffs and they were put back together at the start of the season and remember the Kings were playing kind of terrible with the exception of the 70s line like scoring constantly all the time and so people were talking about them and someone asked like Mike Richards at the end of October and um about specifically about Jeff Carter right like people love to ask Mike Richards about Jeff Carter Mike Richards doesn't like to talk about himself very much but Mike Richards loves talking about Jeff Carter when you ask him. And so the quote was, he, meaning Carter, is getting better with age. He's probably one of the top five players in the league, for sure top 10 right now. It's fun watching their line out there with two young kids and how he pulls them along demands the best out of them. I don't know if it's the leadership role or you're put in that position when you have two young guys playing with you and you have to pull them out of fights some nights, but you'll see, it's fun to watch that line. Like in retrospect, it's kind of heartbreaking to think about even like Mike Richards just like watching Jeff Carter succeed and being like, it's awesome and I'm down for it and I'm having a lot of fun watching him basically knowing that his own story is like slowly sliding in the opposite direction. Now it sounds so wistful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, it's good to see him out there. I'm not out there with him right now. Like, it's, it sounds no. so awful. It's not necessarily always fair to tie their stories together, with the exception of the fact that, like, their trades to Los Angeles still feel very connected. So it's kind of a natural thing. And everybody knows they were close friends. So it is, it's kind of brutal. Like, I I was thinking about, I think it was in the, uh, what is it, the Winnipeg Press or whatever that, 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 isn't it in that one article where they make the weird, like, Jeff Carter suitcase metaphor? Oh, that um, fantastic article written in the Winnipeg Free Press? Yes. Yeah. I do remember that article because it is burned into my heart. Is that also the one where Mike Richards, like, they ask him about Jeff Carter and he says, like, he is one of the best shots in the league. Maybe Alex Romechkin is better. Maybe. <laughs> Mike Richards is a huge Jeff Carter fan, and it is kind of sad to think about the fact that um, Jeff Carter is enjoying all this success, and presumably somewhere Mike Richards is still very happy for him, but that he no longer gets to participate in it, and now it's like we don't even know if an NHL team wants him, when we know, like when their stories started out when they were still in Philadelphia... Philly never quite warmed up to Jeff Carter as much as they could have, and Mike Richards was this hero to them. So, I don't know, it's just very strange, kind of heartbreaking. I'm glad I could bring everybody down with that. Thanks. One man's beat-up Samsonite is another's Louis Vuitton. (laughs) Meet Jeff Carter and his Stanley Cup pedigreed baggage. It never gets old. I'm pretty sure we've read a ton of snippets in, like, an older podcast. I know we did, actually. But it, it doesn't hurt to revisit it. 
That article is great. Mike Richard talking about Jeff Carter, great. My, Mike Richard's story, sad. And I hope he gets to play in the NHL again. Oh, yeah, me too. All the best for Mike Richards always. I mean, his health and happiness first, um, and then NHL to follow. Now that we've dealt with the sad news, let's just move on quickly to the stuff that's really fun, which is that friggin' finally the LA Kings doing a puppy calendar. I am so happy about this. I mean, granted, I would have really liked it if they did it the Penguins way and, like, got all dressed up and went into, like, different, like, nature scenes. But I'm not about (laughs) to look a uh, gift horse, a gift dog in the mouth. And I am just very happy that there will be 365 days of kings and dogs. Kings players in their very soft t-shirts. Everybody was dressed down looking very comfy. Yeah. Um, and their pets really appreciated Jeff Carter like squeezing his three tiny dogs together <laughs> in his lap. Um, so many golden doodles around this team. <laughs> there are so many golden doodles. But I like it. I, I was very excited because we have been long asking for a pet calendar. I think it was like four, was it four November last year? I just made one with Kopitar and Gustel. Yeah. Because uh-huh. I was so desperate for one that I was like, fine, I'll do it myself. And now we're going <laughs> right. to have an, a real, a nice glossy one. And I am so happy about it. Um, I'm going to need one for my home and my work and for mm-hmm. all of my friends and family's homes and work. And mm-hmm. so it's going to be good. I'm excited. I I am not a person who is who decorates very much. I just don't ever think about it. But I'm very excited to basically give this calendar prime real estate. Like that's the thing. Like no shade to hot girls, to hot ladies. I'm just never going to buy an ice girls calendar or an ice crew calendar. So, I will however look at um Christian Airhop and Tyler Toffoli standing next to each other holding tiny puppies. And be very excited about that. I will happily look at Alec Martinez um, doing tricks with his dog. Yeah, I'm about it. Jonathan Quick with a pit bull, because Jonathan Quick, kind of the human version of a pit bull. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, I'm here for it. So basically, this, uh, this calendar could not come soon enough. I am mm-hmm. so ready to have it in my grubby little hands. Give it to me. So yeah, that is exciting. Super glad to see that. Loved all the pictures. Can't wait for the finished thing. Um, Another bit of happy news around the Kings. Jamie McBain is a father. Congratulations. Hooray. But more importantly, hey, Chanel, what did Jamie McBain name his son? Jamie McBain is now the third NHL player that I know of who has named his son Carter. (laughs) The second player... On the LA Kings, <laughs> since Jeff Carter has been a member of this team, to name his son Carter. And not only the second player to name his son Carter, his the second Kings player to name his son Carter Anthony. Yeah, which is so specific. <laughs> How did that happen? What is wrong with the Kings players? Who, like, <laughs> they're, they're no creed. Like, did no one ask questions? Like, they're all pretty close. They know the names of each other's kids. Like, I I mean, not that someone has, you know, ownership over certain names or whatever, but that's very, it's very specific. Also, like, I could see if it's like, oh, man, I like the name Carter. 
you meet Jonathan Quick and you're like, your son's name's Carter. I really like that. We might steal that. But the whole name? (laughs) (laughs) I'm hoping that there's like some, you know, like Anthony is actually the name of, you know, my grandfather who we would like to (laughs) pay homage to or something like that. Um, (laughs) I don't know. It is great. And obviously the other um, NHL player that we know of who named their child Carter is Brent Seabrook, who named their who named his son um, Carter Seven. So yeah. that goes even deeper with the whole seven, <laughs> right? Yeah, Jeff Carter's number used to be seven. I'm I'm not saying there's a conspiracy here, but I'm saying it would be funny. And we know what Brent Seabrook's number is. We get it, but also <laughs> right. But also that child was born after Duncan Keith like ruined Jeff Carter's mouth forever. <laughs> It's it's just weirdly, it's just weird and kind of hilarious, but nice at the same time. The, the nice thing is that Jamie McBain and his wife um, are parents, and they're excited about that. So congratulations to them. He missed the game in Chicago because he wanted to be with his wife. And now there are two children with the name Carter. And here's the thing. It has been more than two years, like two and a half years. We still have not seen a picture of Jeff Carter and Carter Anthony Quick together really need a picture of Carter and his two, well, not his sons, but his sons. <laughs> his, <laughs> his little his army of Carter. So, like, that picture of him just with, like, three little dogs balanced in his lap <laughs> yeah. just really needs to be replaced by two Carter boys. Right. Um, first name two Carter, names. not last name Carter boys, but first name <laughs> Carter boys, just, like, hanging out. Oh, or yeah. because Carter Quick is older, it's just, like, him, Jeff Carter could be the caboose. He's got yeah. <laughs> middle Carter, and then middle Carter's holding younger Carter. It'd be real cute. We we wished the the dog calendar to into existence. Maybe we can wish this one too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I like that. Like that's the only thing. So it's just like twelve months of Jeff Carter and two children that don't belong to him. <laughs> but but I think it could go over really well. <laughs> I think it'd be great. Matching outfits in different sizes. <laughs> some props <laughs> oh that would be phenomenal i like that a lot so okay so i think we've covered pretty much everything that's happened in the last week with the kings oh before. one more thing um i hope everyone watched the third episode of black and white oh yes um yes it was great you see a lot of the king's player ex- players exercising in slow motion and i appreciated that really a fan of it yeah it was good I think another thing I am a fan of about that episode is randomly when they, I mean, it's not too random because it's like the Kings train a lot and then it's like, oh, let's talk about how they've got a pretty new like facility. Like they, they remodeled that a lot for a while. But I think it's funny how it's just like, by the way, look at their sunroof. <laughs> and, and like take a minute to feature like all of the windows open and that they have a skylight, which is cool. But it's just kind of like after you spend a lot of time watching players in slow motion with like weird training faces, but looking very uh, fit. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> that series is shaping up to be pretty interesting because it is mostly like sort of the pieces and things behind the scenes that help make the Kings team what they are. Good so far. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Any parting words before we go? Uh, no, I'm just hoping that tonight's win against the St. Louis Blues is just the start of another fun win streak for the Kings. Um, keep that up. 
Um, otherwise, yeah. I'm pretty. It's it's been a pretty good week with the game. Now they play the blue blue jackets, and they don't have to worry about ending a streak playing the Blue Jackets. Um, hopefully the Kings don't lose and they continue to just stack up points and stay at the the top of the Pacific Division as long as possible. Love Brandon Sott. I don't need to see him score a goal against the Kings as a member of the Blue Jackets, so may that not happen. <laughs> <laughs> Our little spiel before we go, follow us on Twitter, THXBUD. Facebook, also facebook.com slash THXBUD. You can email us, chirp at thanksbud.com. Um, if you buy tickets uh, through resale, check out our schedule page to get them through Ticket Monster. I think that's everything. Take care of yourselves, friends. We will talk to you in a week. Goodbye, friends. Bye, everyone.